0: Sports Radio, 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's
1: Terry. All right, we're back. And normally, Nate Lewinsky joins us at this time, but we're fortunate he's not here. That's not how I meant to say that. I went, I'm went. i just kidding, of course. But we are fortunate that Josh Shedevey, from Outside uh, Land Outdoors this morning, Josh. Josh, are you with us? Can you hear me, sir? Yeah, barely. You've got a lot of wind and stuff, Josh. Can you make it a little better? Yeah, I'm trying to get in a good spot. I think we might have lost him. Are you there, Josh? All right, we're not getting Josh. We'll get Josh. Hopefully we'll get Josh back in just a minute. He wants to talk to us about the pike bite that is going on right now. Are you there, Josh? Yeah, we're going to have to, until we can get a better signal, we're going to have to not talk to Josh. He wants to talk about the pike at South Park, which are really on fire right now, and the live bait bite with the walleyes at uh, Cherry Creek and Chatfield, which is going well, too. Hopefully we'll get him back on here in just a second. Uh, If we get a better connection with him, Dante, let me know right away. Let me talk about this catfish uh, situation while we're waiting to see if we can get get Josh back on. Uh, Somebody asked, about catfish at Cherry Creek. Now, there are catfish at Cherry Creek, and there can be a pretty good bite at Cherry Creek. And also at Chatfield, uh, there used to be some pretty good, you have to know some areas in the lake that seem a little more susceptible. With the runoffs we've had coming in this year, I would think anywhere where there's been flow coming in, it's going to gather these catfish. Uh, The best results, of course, are at late in the evening and through the night. Uh, and there's also a lot of ponds. Every pond up and down the Front Range is usually has some catfish or bullhead stocked in it, and those are easy to fish. Now, there's a number of ways you can go after these catfish. Uh, a lot of, there's a lot of specialty baits. Berkeley makes some great catfish scented baits, and those are are really uh, really effective at certain times of the year. Uh, one bait that will just Will just shine. In fact, I did a television show with this in one of the ponds years ago, and that's by a bag of frozen shrimp. Put uh, a a maybe like a three foot, two three foot leader on it with a circle hook if you can. If not, a regular J hook. And hook up one or two of those shrimp on there with a fairly good-sized sinker that'll keep it down on the bottom. But one the line can slip through so they can pick that shrimp up. And you can feed them a little line until you know they've got it and then set the hook. Those shrimp will just, uh, channel cats especially, just love those. Uh, now, we have several types of catfish in Colorado. We have channels, blues, and flatheads. Some of them are more susceptible, actually, to even lure-type presentations, and you will catch them spooning. I've caught a lot of catfish uh, spooning out of a boat, uh, just doing jigging spoons. But uh, another great way to fish the catfish from shore, whether it's ponds, whether it's uh, um, Cherry Creek, Chatfield, is just some night crawlers or even minnows. Uh, the catfish are, in a, are ferocious predators and eaters. And if you're fishing with night crawlers or minnows, <clears throat> there's a chance you might pick up a walleye, a bass, some panfish. You get a chance at a bunch of other fish doing it that way. Now, the best catfish lake that I fished, and I haven't fished it for quite some time, was uh, Sterling out on the Eastern Plains. It had a tremendous population of catfish and I used to even be able to catch those during the daylight, uh putting uh baits out uh in those river channels and throwing them right in the cover with heavy rods and reels. If you're gonna go after these bigger catfish, don't skimp on the line because they're very likely to entangle you up. It takes a a pretty good um it takes a pretty good hefty gear usually to land them. Now you're going to catch more small catfish than big catfish, but I've caught catfish up to 20 pounds and the state records are much bigger than that in Colorado. So you need to be ready. Uh, I'm going to go through a few lakes and we'll talk a little bit more about maybe some specific locations. Uh, John, John Martin out on the Eastern Plains is a fantastic catfishery, uh, both in the lake and down in the spillway. Uh, trinidad reservoir from the shore is a very good fishery for catfish and it's um it it's it's both those are a bit of a drive but they don't get the pressure that the local lakes get and then maybe once you get there you can camp spend the night camp you know stay right on the shore and fish through the night the river below pueblo below the spillway can get some pretty good catfish and pueblo has channel cats Blues and flatheads, as does John Martin, and both from shore and boat, uh, state records have come out of Pueblo, at least two of them that I know of, and a lot of times i've caught catfish down there when i 'm in the fall jigging for walleyes but there are areas where you can catch them get back on the flats back in Lake Pueblo from the shore, and you know you can um uh, you can get back on the shore and you can you can even uh You can just get a bait out there for the catfish, and then if you have a second rod stamp, you can throw other places. Now, as far as Cherry Creek, which was specifically asked for in Chatfield, I've heard I haven't done a lot of the catfishing at either one of those a little bit, Chatfield, especially where Plum Creek comes in and with the water we've had coming in, has always been the best area at Chatfield. Cherry Creek, I'm not as definitive on where because we usually don't have a lot of flow into Cherry Creek, but right now the water is high at Cherry Creek, and the water is flowing into the both both the inlets at Cherry Creek, which is kind of rare for this time of the year. In fact the water's up. About five or six feet. There's flooding, and the boat ramp, by the way, at Cherry Creek. The east boat ramp is closed, and you can't drive all the way around the back of the lake anymore because of that. So, if you're going to Cherry Creek, you have to use the the marina boat ramp. Uh, so, I, so that's some. I think we've got Josh back. Josh, are you back with us? Yeah. Can you hear me, Terry? I can. We were talking a little bit about catfishing while I was waiting for you to get back. Uh, We had a caller ask about catfish at Cherry Creek. Before we get into this other stuff, have you fished the catfish ever there?
2: Uh, You know what? I grew up doing a lot of catfishing in Nebraska and did a lot of it in North Carolina as well. But uh, since I moved to Colorado, everything is pretty much at the end of targeting. Well, let's kind of get
1: into uh, the first thing you wanted to talk about was the pike bite up in South Park. I hear it's phenomenal.
2: Oh, it has been an absolute blast this year. Uh, the last five trips that we've had, we've had a 39 or plus inch fish. It's kind of hard to have big smiles on your face when you're getting fish like that.
1: And any particular techniques that are shining right now? You
2: know, what we're seeing right now is that post spawn bait is now, kind of and these fish are starting to move around. So these fish are separate themselves from smaller fish. So we're doing a little bit of trolling, uh, typically first thing in the morning or last. night, or if we get those really good conditions like you kind of hear today. Uh, hey, if, um, if, uh, Josh, we're just
1: we're just not we're just not able to really hear you clearly. You're cutting in and out. So. I think maybe we'll have to pick this up next week. Um, I think the, if you, we can get one last comment from you, I think you we're going to tell us the pike we're good, and then the bait bite for walleyes is going on.
2: Oh yeah, for Cherry Creek and uh, how? Been...
1: Yeah, Josh, we're going to have to end it. We just can't. You're cutting in and out. We're just not getting a good signal. But we'll catch up with you next week, Josh. Thanks for trying to get back to us. Tell you what, folks, yep. um, we're going to take a timeout. When I come back, we're going to talk some more fishing. Uh, Brad Peterson is going to join us. We'll talk about that, and maybe I'll talk some more catfishing on Terry Whitsom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. <laughs> You're listening to Terry Whitsom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones, and joining us is Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for calling a little early. We we're having a little bit of a, a trouble with Josh out there on the water. And uh, one of the things I want to ask you real quick, we've had, by the way, we've had some people that knew you were coming on want to know about Bodecker and Douglas in addition to the other lakes we're going to cover. But have you ever done any catfishing in the
3: Cherry Creek area? You know, I have done a little bit at Cherry Creek. And if I was going to be catfishing at Cherry Creek, I would kind of focus in either on that um, the fishing pier or little peninsula over by the marina area. You can kind of walk out there and uh, get out a little bit further, but there's some good kind of flats out there that hold a lot of catfish. And then the area from the uh, east boat ramp up to about the swim beach area. If you're fishing from shore, those are the areas I'd concentrate on. And time of day and baits you used? You know, I typically fish, you know, that last little bit of light about that 8 o'clock time on till about midnight or so. And I've had the best luck with some sort of cut bait, whether that's a shad or even a frozen sucker that you can get at a lot of the bait stores. Um. Nightcrawlers have worked good out there. And then my dad grew up loving the catfish back in Iowa, and he has a variety of the the stink bait type stuff. And and I've caught fish on that. So I usually like to have two, you know, if I've got two rods out or if you have more people, try several different varieties, figure out what's going to produce bites the best. But um, typically you could go with just some sort of cut bait, and go with night crawlers, and you should be able to catch some catfish there at Cherry Creek.
1: All right. Uh, Bodecker and Douglas, I don't know if they were going to be on our list to talk about, but since that's what people want to hear, what are you hearing and seeing at those lakes?
3: Um, So Douglas is fishing fairly decent. Uh, They have stocked it with trout, so there are a lot of trout being caught out there. The walleyes, or, or sauger up there. There are still some walleyes, but most of them are sauger. They're still up relatively shallow, uh, up along whatever cover you can find and along the dam area. Um, panfish, there's a good population of panfish and they're both perch and bluegill. Uh, look for the weed edges and the bluegills are going to be, there's a, a flat right out in front of the outlet or a little point there and that usually always has good numbers of panfish right there. Um ecker, the crappies have moved off from spawning, so you're either going to find them on the deep edges of the trees or this time of year a lot of the crappies and, and uh, white bass will suspend together. And so the best way to typically get those is going to be some sort of trolling. So if you can get out from shore and – you know, put some planer boards out just to spread your lures out a little bit more. I usually like to be about eight to ten feet down in that lake. They they suspend a little bit off the bottom and I kinda go from the main point on the west side there and head straight towards the dam. If you're looking for walleye, fish that south shoreline. There's a line of houses there and an island. And that area is usually where I'm going to do best for the walleyes. The walleyes are a little bit on the small side in that lake, but you can get into some pretty good action just pulling live bait, whether it's kind of a, a slow death type hook or a bottom bouncer and, and spinner type setup. And you could do good in both those. Um, be aware there is a new gate at Bodecker and that it's an electric gate entrance. It's only open a half hour before sunrise to sunset as far as getting into the parking lot. But once you're there, it's got a pressure sensor so you can leave at any time. But don't try to get there, you know, a half hour after sunset and think you're going to be able to get out there and fish. All right.
1: Uh, We know we're going to talk about a bunch of lakes, and most of them are in pretty good shape and full with water because of the summer, spring, winter we've had. Uh, what about some of those smaller lakes and ponds like Bodecker and Douglas and Lawn Hagler? Are you
3: starting to see those fill with water at all? Yeah. um Bodecker and Douglas are both good water level. I have not been by Lawn Hagler recently, but I would guess that it should be at capacity as well. Just we've had so much water that every lake has filled up and, and they're letting plenty of water go out, you know, to Nebraska. Uh, One thing that a lot of the water has done is it has caused some issues. And for those people thinking about going out to Sterling, the south boat ramp has been closed because the road going to the south boat ramp is flooded. And so they are not going to reopen that until it dries and they can inspect the road and see how it is. So you can still launch a boat at the Elks boat ramp, but you can't at the south boat ramp. So it's going to be fairly crowded on weekends. If you're thinking about going out there, make sure to get there real early. I would say 8 o'clock at the latest to make sure that you're going to be able to get on the lake.
1: You know, same thing at Cherry Creek with the east boat ramp there is closed, and so is the road going
3: around the back of the lake. Yep. And so, um, you know, if you're going to go to a lake you're not familiar with, check the CPW website for any information, or a lot of times these state parks have Facebook pages and the Facebook pages are updated a lot sooner than the CPW website is. So spending five, ten minutes doing a little bit of research just to make sure everything's good will help you out. On the flip side, if you want to go down to John Martin, the added water has opened the west boat ramp there. So that's a, a benefit. And I know a lot of people like fishing that west side and being able to launch there, you don't have as big of a run. So just take a little time you know, five, ten minutes before your trip and, and make sure that uh, uh, what the conditions are on the various lake you're going to be going to. Speaking of conditions, why don't you take us through some of these northern lakes? Okay, so let's start out on the far northeast end. Um, all the lakes are pretty well full. Um, they're getting water if they need it. I know there's water going into Jumbo. There's water going into Pruitt. Sterling is full, Jackson is full, um, but as far as the fishing goes, still not getting much reports from Jumbo after the real low water last year. Jackson has been fairly slow, with some larger wipers being caught, but it's it's very few. You know, four to eight is considered a really good day there right now. If I was going to go out there, I would target Pruitt and Sterling. Both of them are starting to see some smaller walleyes being caught, um, you know, 16 inches and less. But um, you can get on some decent numbers. Pruitt, I would focus kind of the inlet area in the trees or along the dam. Uh, Sterling, kind of work your way back in the coves, and you'll start to mark the fish as you go in. Uh, Sterling has had a real good crappie bite this spring. So, um, if I was going to pick one on that I-76 corridor, it would definitely be Sterling is probably where I would go and just go there with the attitude of being very diverse, of willing to go catch walleye, crappie, drum. And then I did hear of a guy two weeks ago getting into some good catfish out there, um, just pulling nightcrawler harnesses like you'd be fishing for walleyes, but they got into some really good catfish. Yeah, Sterling has always had a good population of catfish. What about horsetooth, Boyd? Have you heard much about those? Yep, along the north front range uh, this past week, I hit Carter, Horsetooth, and Boyd. Um, Horsetooth has topped off. They aren't filling anymore, so the water level is stabilizing. The smallmouth are really good if you want to catch numbers 10 feet or less. Lots of fish up there. You can catch them using top water. I know guys are catching them on flies, uh, ned rigs, uh, drop shots. Any of your classic presentations is catching numbers of fish. I found if you wanted to catch some bigger fish, you need to move out a little deeper. I caught most of my big fish in 20 to 30 feet of water. So if you want to, you're going to reduce your bites by quite a few, but if you want to drop off to that little bit deeper area, you're going to get a little bit better quality fish. There are I'll some you, Oh, no, go, ahead. No, go ahead. I was just say one of
1: the, one of my favorite baits. You know, you talked about the drop shot, the Ned rigs, and I use all of those. Um, but what's been overlooked the last few years is a uh, about a two and a half to three inch tube on a jig head. Um, especially with the jig head put inside the tube so that you get a spiral action. That used to be the go-to bait out at horse tooth. And I think the fish got conditioned to it, but everybody's been using everything else
3: and don't be afraid to throw those tubes. They're working again. Yeah. Those tubes can be phenomenal and play around a lot with the weight of your jig head in those tubes really light. And it's going to spiral a lot more, but a lot of the guys out in the Great Lakes have gone to really heavy tube jig heads. And if you're in an area that's a little bit more gravelly or or smaller rocks, not the real snaggy stuff, that heavier jig head where you can just drag it along the bottom gives a real good imitation of a crawfish. And a lot of the smallmouth I was catching were having mud in the mouth. And, you know, you would see crawfish antennas and stuff coming out of them. So that kind of keys you in that those fish are really working uh, over those crawfish. So anything that's going to intimidate, imitate those are going to get you a lot of bites. Um, Uh, You you can all go ahead. And also there right now, the walleyes are doing fairly well. If you want to pull bottom bouncers and spinners out in that 20 to 30 feet of water, um, the bait is just starting to get out of the coves, so those the in the mouth of the cove, the first point inside, and then the area just outside those coves would be the areas that I would focus on for the walleyes. Give it another three, four weeks, and those schools of bait are going to be out suspended, and that suspended bite trolling for them is really going to turn on for the walleyes there at Horse Tooth. All right, what about Boyd? So Boyd right now is the, the lake is as full as it can possibly get. A lot of cover has been flooded, but that has made the bass fishing very challenging. Um, the bass are really spread out. So if you want to chase bass, I'll be honest, I would tell you to go to Horsetooth or go to Carter right now. But if you're going to go to Boyd, use some sort of a horizontal presentation and cover a lot of water because those fish are spread out And they're really moving right now on the flip side. The walleye bite is really starting to turn on for numbers. A lot of those 12 to 14 inchers, those fish that were stocked in 2021, but people are getting some keepers mixed in there. Um, Pulling it's a live bait bite, pulling bottom bouncers and spinners, find those weed edges and, and work those. If, If you start getting hung up and you don't feel real comfortable holding those tight patterns, go out to about that 16-foot depth. Also has fish. Not quite as many, but you are catching fish out there. And it's not uncommon to get uh, 20-plus fish days right now or or mornings or afternoons. Um, The white bass are still getting caught on occasion with spinners. They haven't yet started schooling up uh, for the shad, but I would expect that to be happening In the next week or two, as soon as we get some real warm weather, um, I would expect to start seeing some of those morning boils going uh, right there. If you're wanting to fish something like a white bass, we can move down to Union. And Union has both walleyes and wipers going really good. Uh, The wipers there are a lot bigger. Um, You've got a lot of fish over that 15-inch size limit in Union. And pulling bottom bouncers and, and spinners, at a little bit quicker pace, up in that 1-2 to 1-4 range, seems to be the best to catch both walleyes and the wipers. And pulling crankbaits at 2 miles an hour plus is producing wipers with an occasional walleye down that way. How about you You started to talk a little bit about Carter. Let's finish up with that. Yep. So Carter um, went up there. Water temperature was about... Actually, four degrees cooler than horsetooth was. The the largemouth bite is doing really good up there. A lot of people don't even think about Carter for largemouth. Um, there are a lot of good, solid, those 12 13 13-inch largemouth up to about 15, 16 with an occasional fish, maybe up to 18 inches. The best thing to do, the lake is is rising again. They've got a couple more feet to reach full capacity. So those fish are pushing up to the shorelines. Any cover you can find along the shoreline, fishing something like a a Ned rig, you know, the tube jig, like you mentioned earlier, or a wacky rig stick worm, all those are producing fish. Just work the cover along the shoreline. And if you get it close, those fish are very aggressive right now. Uh, one thing that we're noticing is a lot of those fish up along the shoreline, the minute they hit, they start swimming right to the boat. And so you you have to reel in a lot of line real quick to be able to get a good hook set on them. But um, that's, that's doing really good. The walleyes are just starting to show up in that, you know, kind of that 15 to 20-foot range. Um, we saw some, but we were out there on Wednesday before all the big storms, we're rolling in, and we started marking them about midday in the morning. You didn't mark any midday. We started marking them, tried fishing for them for about forty-five minutes, caught a trout, missed a couple other little bites, and then decided that uh, it didn't sound like a good option to stick around and and uh, get hailed on. So we bailed on the lake at that point in time.
1: All right, my friend, we are out of time. If people want to book a trip with you or want more
3: information, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, You can reach me on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors or give me a call or shoot me a text at 303-829-3998. All right, my friend.
1: You and I have to get on the water very soon, too. Absolutely, Terry. Let's do it. All right. Thanks, Brad. We'll talk to you again very soon. Brad Peterson, always a great resource. Speaking of great resources, we're going to take a time out, and we're going to come back, and we're going to go to talk to J.R. at a cuddle out of place. He's got a lot of good things to say, but he's had some challenges this week, too. All that more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones, and I think he's out there treading water, our good friend J.R. from
4: Colorado Clays. Good morning, J.R. Hey, good morning, Terry.
1: <laughs> you had a few challenges this week, my friend.
4: Yeah, it's been a little bit soggy, definitely, definitely, Terry, but, you know, we're getting through it.
1: Oh, yeah. Now, be honest with people, right now you're having to redo some things on the sporting clays because of the water. Is that right?
4: Yeah, yeah, Terry. Uh, Still got a little run in there. We're going to have to do a little grooming on the trail and some repairs, but uh, we'll get her up and going here as quick as possible for sure.
1: But in the meantime, uh, you you and I talked during the week, and we talked about, of course, all the other things you have to offer. You have trap, you have skeet, you have rifle, you have pistol, you have your patterning range. You know, a lot of guys come out and just shoot clays, uh, because that's what they love to do. It's a lot of fun. This might be one of those times when every shooter might want to step back and maybe go through a little fundamentals out on the patterning and then on the trap or skeet.
4: Well, Terry, and that that's a great point, and i got a really good story for you here uh, to bolster that point. So obviously Mother Nature has really been showing us who's boss here lately with I guess we have the wettest June in history, and I, you know, Terry, there's been many different outdoor recreation facilities affected by you know by this, and unfortunately, we're on that list. And Terry, yeah, we did have a wall of water come down our creek bottom this last few days and put us on a temporary shutdown for our sporting and skeet. But fortunately, as you said, our rifle and pistol range still up and going, trap fields still throwing, our training trap area still going, shotgun patterning, and of course much, much more is still available. Uh, I have had many folks ask, well, how are you going to deal with this? And uh, well, here's a perfect example, Terry. We have the Freedom Service dog sporting clades fundraiser scheduled for the day after this flooding started on Friday. And in order to make sure this event took place, we quickly converted it from a Sporting Clays event to a trap shooting event. And I must say it went fantastic, Terry. We made a bunch of money for a great cause. But I think one of the big takeaways for me was how many of those 170 participants came up to me afterwards and said, you know, Jr., I haven't shot trap for a long time, and that was a great reset on my fundamentals. And, Terry, I think that kind of really backs up what we've been preaching on your show for a long time. First, of course, that Colorado Clays is the number one public shooting range in Colorado, and we do offer so many different types and disciplines of shooting, and everyone should take advantage of that and, of course, try them all at some time. But secondly, in this case, the importance of either establishing or reestablishing good consistent fundamentals and shift uh, shooting mechanics whether it's rifles pistols or shotguns and regardless if you're hunting competing or just recreational target shooting so i think it was a really good example of maybe it's time to take advantage of that uh, training trap the pattern area and some uh, some target, uh, trap target shooting to get your uh, fundamentals reset? Because I had a lot of people that were really impressed at how much good it did them to get back and take a step back.
1: Well, you know, I can, I can personally attest. You know, we joke a lot about how good our shooting is and what we're doing and how often you should practice. But I can tell you that over the last year or so, I haven't practiced nearly as much as I should have. And I found myself making fundamental mistakes. Now, I'm shooting handguns, but it kind of it encompasses all the shooting sports. You know, you get, you get to where you're practicing enough and you're doing fairly decent, and pretty soon you get lax on things like trigger control, sight picture, follow-through, all the things that you and I have talked about so much over the last few weeks and giving tips to people. Um, you, get, you get a little lazy, and when you get forced to switch or do something a little different, or even just forced to really analyze what you're doing, and especially if you can have somebody do it with you, really can get you back to where you need to be.
4: Yeah, Terry, and usually when we fall apart, uh, like you said, we're, we're coming out of our good fundamentals with, with stance, sight, picture, uh, follow-through, and such. And when you take a game such as trap, where um, you're just doing repetitions, and uh, repetitions develop consistency and that's what good shooting is really all about and it's easy to get inconsistent when you're doing different things in different places. Uh, you're not positioning your body right. You're uh, you know lifting your head to see what happened. All those little things that can happen when you don't um, do things over and over. That repetition is really the key to consistency. And oftentimes, a person really needs to take a step back and find a game, an area, whatever it might be, to reestablish those good habits. And then from there, move on into doing the math and the repositioning for different types of target presentations. So, so important, so easy to see from a distance, but sometimes so hard to realize until you're forced to do it, uh, which is what happened with a lot of those guys here Friday. So, um, just bolsters what we've been preaching.
1: You know, why don't you, we've probably got a lot of people that are new to getting into the shotgun sports. Why don't you do the Reader's Digest version of explaining the difference between trap, wobble trap, skeet, and sporting clays?
4: Yeah, Terry. So, again, many different games that are played with a shotgun and clay targets. Um, So our training trap, we talk about that all the time. That's a trap house with a machine in it that throws a target straight out in front of you, a good straightaway target great for establishing the very beginning A plus B equals C for people starting out. Uh, next progression really is trap and it's basically the same field the same machine except rather than throwing targets straight away it oscillates inside of a house at ground level giving you left quarter left center quarter right and right target angles from five different shooting positions still still generally a quartering away shooting game um, but gets you to where you start worrying you know. Or, or realizing that you need to have a good stance relative to your presentation. Uh, gets you to realize that you need to have a good follow through and also you know, sight picture. Um, wobble trap would be a next level and that's a trap that does the same thing as a standard trap field but the machine goes up and down and left and right. So as we preach all the time, uh, ultimate upland game practice. Uh, those targets can be from low left, high right, anywhere Very good practice for the upland shooters, but very fun game to play anyway. Uh, Skeet field is a game played with a low house and a high house, meaning a building on your one side with a, a high machine launch, building on the other side with a low machine launch. Then you shoot from a half circle, starting right underneath the high target that comes out over your head, ending up over to the low target that comes out next to you and finishing in the middle with targets coming right over your head. So very fun game, more advanced game. If you haven't tried it, though, well worth doing. And then, of course, our most popular game is Sporting Clays. And Colorado H- Clays has probably one of, if not the, premier course in the state, uh, 15 stations on a 3-8-mile-long course down in the creek bottom, Shows you everything, and by design, sporting clays is supposed to represent field conditions for hunting. So you're going to have targets left to right, high low, incoming outgoing, fast slow combinations, rabbits on the ground, everything you can imagine. Definitely our most popular draw as far as shotgunning goes at Colorado clays. So uh, that's the basics of the ones we have,
1: and and we've gone over and over a lot of times how each one. Can help you with certain types of situations, but when you get back to it, you talk about the sporting plays because you're getting different shots and different angles and different body positions. It probably is the one that you can work on certain shots at, but you're almost better to go back to the trap for the fundamentals.
4: Yeah, trap is great for basics. Trap, once you've got down, is really a, a very mental game. Uh, Be able to stay in it, stay focused once you've established and you know how to hit those targets. Sporting clays, on the other hand, are course changes. Everybody... Uh, unfortunately finds out their strengths and weaknesses on sporting clays. And that's one of the big lures of sporting clays is people are allowed to go down and work on shots that give them trouble, whether it's trouble shooting against your friends for fun, whether it's trouble on a bird hunt, uh, you know, this uh, longer left-to-right cross or, or something coming straight up from your right. Whatever it might be, you can find that target and work on it, and it's really good about flushing out those targets that give you problem, but also... It allows you the opportunity to figure them out and fix them. So, um, again, Terry, like you said, all of these different games have their own individual aspects that make them very important, very useful, and a very good learning experience. And uh, Sporting Clays is just a very popular one because it's kind of a golf with a shotgun game, and people just love that.
1: All right, my friend. If people, first of all, if they want to know more about Colorado clays, where do they go? And if they want to be updated on what's going on out
4: there, is there a better way to do that? Well, easiest, first thing, Terry, give us a call, 303-659-7117, or go to our website, um, coloradoclays.com. We can post some updates, but our goal right now, the water is receding, Terry, is to get down there and get things up and going pretty quick. Uh, I don't expect a super long delay, so just give us a holler, and we'll let you know what's going on. But don't forget, all the other games and opportunities here might be a good time for you to take a step back and try something different.
1: All right, my friend, we'll talk to you again soon.
4: Okay, thanks, Terry.
1: And no fishing in those ponds down by the sporting clays.
4: <laughs> I can't get my boat in. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jr. All right, thanks.
1: But J.R. Pierce, just a great guy. We're going to take a time out. We'll come back. We'll have a few things you want to talk about and wrap up this edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 1043 The Fan. listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. A couple things I want to make sure we recover before we go today. One is casting for kids at Chatfield, which is July 29th. If you've never been involved in helping some disadvantaged or challenged children catch their first fish or start fishing or get into the outdoors, there's an opportunity. They need boaters and they need volunteers for the shore to work too. And I'll tell you, not only will you change the life of some of these kids, but you may change your own. But just the smiles of getting out there and and having some fun with these kids, and have seeing them try to experience the outdoors with you, and just sharing time. You don't have to be good at what you do. You just have to be available and willing. So, you know, I uh, put a post up on our Facebook page, the, the um, Terry Wisham Outdoors. It's a uh, shared from. I said I, Karen did it. Like when I say I, I usually mean Karen did something and I'm taking credit for it. But we put that up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. And all the information, there's links there to take you to everything. And volunteer and help. It'll be so rewarding. And let's not let these kids down. So take a look at that. Also, the secondary draw uh, applications are out. And I put a, uh, a plug on that or a post on that from Colorado Parks and Wildlife on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors also. So go ahead and take a look at that. I want to give some credit to somebody back at the studio, Mr. Dante. Uh, he's working hurt today, folks. He's he's in pain. He's going to have some surgery. He's But he came in, he did the show, and I'll tell you what, he, I'm really glad he was there because I screwed up a couple times in the first hour and he saved my butt. So, Dante, thank you for helping me
0: out. Now. Is Mr. Dan Jacobs in the studio? By the way, easy with the, uh, you know, praise of uh, Dante there. You know what I mean? Like, to, don't let his head get too big. Well, he was hurt. We got to give him a little. I tip. know. This guy's milking it, though. All right? This guy, you know, with his exploded foot or whatever. Come on. You know, we've yeah. all been there.
1: <laughs> you, are, you are such a love. You know, as an injury attorney, you're not a very loving, kind guy. Until <laughs> <laughs> he signs up.
0: Yeah. What's up, coach? <laughs> How are you doing,
1: sir? I'm doing okay. You know, the one thing I, uh, you know, the Nuggets that run was obviously fantastic. Uh, nobody cares what's going on with the Rockies, so focus is going to turn more and more to the Broncos. I know. I'm, I'm driving in,
0: and I hear, you know, something exciting is going to be happening at Coors Field, a fishing expedition, right? You were talking to the yeah. guy in the first hour? Yeah. Yeah, uh, the Trout Fest is there July, uh,
1: July 8th from 12 to 6, and it's free. And not only can you come and see all kinds of uh, experts and gear and organizations involved in trout fishing, but you can get a, a tour of Coors Field, and it's all free. Now, there's concessions open so that you can buy food, but you can go out and stand on the warning track if you want to. So that's a great thing, and we'll we'll put more of that about that up on our Facebook page too. But I want to ask you, um, I was trying to look at, two areas was we're heading at the training camp and whether there'll be moves or whether there's going to be surprises or always is and i was trying to look at where's the biggest bronco need and also where's the most what which of those position rooms might have the most surprising results for the positive you got any thoughts
0: um yeah well that that's kind of been my thing is I think they did a tremendous job in bringing in coach Payton. I think the downside is though across the board they had overvalued the talent on this roster and they really didn't make a bunch of market changes there. So um my my main concern is pass rush uh followed very closely by the offensive line. Um, because I'll believe it when I see it. You know, every year I hear, oh, they've added some free agency. Offensive line's going to be better. I'll believe that when I see it. Um, pass rush, though, in this passing league, you need dominant pass rushers, and I think they're going to try try more of a committee approach and still also, you know, say they will say their Hail Marys and hope and pray that Randy Gregory's finally going to become the player that he's always been sold as. So I'm very concerned about the pass rush, um, but – they they seem to think they have some depth there, and then maybe they'll get it done by a committee approach. I think on the other side of that, the one
1: room that I think has potential to be phenomenal, now I'm saying potential, and that's the tight ends. Between the two tight ends, Big uh, uh, O and the young kid that came last year, neither one of them, ha- they both have a lot to prove, so neither one has established themselves as a star, uh, there's a potential there for some really incredible tight end play
0: so yeah we'll see and we'll see how you know Sean Payton wants to utilize that as more of a safety you know safety net type thing for Russell Wilson they I think what we th- believe is that they're gonna try and throttle down Russell Wilson find him some more safe plays to make so he doesn't kind of you know hang himself like he did last year, hang himself out to dry last year, be hung out to dry by the offensive line. Whatever you want to say, um, they're going to try and minimize mistakes, and the tight end oftentimes is a nice safety valve. All right, we're out of time. I'll close this out so you can get started. Thanks,
1: Coach. All right, we're going to wrap up this week's edition of Terry Wixham Outdoors. Um, thank you to Dante. Thank you to Karen. Tune in every Saturday, 9 to 11. Let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour in sports with Dan Jacobs.